0: Good morning Knox family. Today is our mission Sunday and we are celebrating the mission of God in reconciling his creation back to him and as a part of our celebration today would uh, there would be a missionary gathering uh, in the afternoon and uh, so for this purpose we would like to welcome all the missionaries wherever you are in the world right now we would like to welcome you as you join us in our worship service. And as part of our worship celebration in missions, we have invited a key speaker that would be speaking about active faith today, which is the theme for this season. And it's my privilege to introduce our speaker, uh Solange Belous. Solange is originally from Cameroon and she has been in Canada for the last uh, 33 years. Solange is such a gift to the church in Canada because she has more than 25 years of multicultural and multilingual ministry here in the city and in other countries as well. She has also over 25 years of coaching and leadership development experience, both overseas and in this country. She is a motivational speaker, a corporate trainer in both the Christian and parachurch settings. One of the gifts of Solange is that uh, she is gifted in uh, a cross-cultural uh, communication skills, and she speaks around five languages. And also in terms of that gifting in, in knowledge, she has uh, four master's degrees, and currently she is finishing her Doctor of Ministries degree at Tyndale Seminary. Currently, Solange is a, the executive director of the John Maxwell Team Life Coaching Center. She is a good friend, a partner in the ministry. And so, friends, I would like us to welcome Solange Belus.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Nelson. And thank you, Phil, for inviting me today. And thank you all for having me. What a year we've had in 2020. Uh, people around the world woke up one day and were challenged with the coronavirus, a very tiny virus that has brought the whole world to literally a halt. Um, And I have been spending uh, more time in the book of James. If you know, the book of James was actually written where the church in Jerusalem was scattered and they were being persecuted, and they actually were in a pandemic at that time. So I I believe it's quite appropriate that uh, that book was written Um, for us to to reflect on on the book of of James. But um, the COVID uh, pandemic in Canada actually started in January 27 when uh, uh, an individual who had returned from um, Wuhan returned to Toronto. And by mid-March, as cases in community continued to develop, we were uh, advised to... Uh, exercise uh, social distancing and and wear a mask and and our world literally changed. And as we were trying to just adjust to that environment of having to wear a mask and and protect ourselves and protect our loved one, on May 25th, Minneapolis police arrested George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man who um, after a convenience store employee called and uh, stating that uh, he had bought cigarettes with a counterfeit $20 bill. And I have to say that as I watched the 8 minutes and 46 seconds of uh, that led to the death of George Floyd, my first reaction was disbelief. And then I felt pain. I felt pain when I watched the interview of his sister stating how she's lost the things that was most important to her, and I, have, I do have three brothers, so I could relate to what she's saying. But then my hurt turned into anger, as I heard in the media, different people uh, stating what they believed this was going on, and I felt anger. And I remember being uh, reminded in the book of, John, uh, of James, that passage that we read, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. And I realized that I could not be angry. How do we then engage, uh, this is Mission Sunday, and uh, thank you for having me here, but how do we engage our community in a way that reflects the gospel? in a way that is true to the Word of God. That was my challenge as a a professional Christian believer that is engaged in the community here in the City of Toronto. How do I engage my community in a way that reflects the Gospel? And this Book of James is a timely, very timely word in the world that we live today. There's so much fear and division and anger and we don't have to look south to our neighbors to see that around us we, here in Canada with our First Nation. So there is a need to share the gospel, which is the love of God, in our, to our community. But at the same time, we are masked. <laughs> we can't speak. We can't see people. We have to distance. So it's quite challenging. And as this is Mission Sunday, and I'm reflecting on what uh, James is advising us in his book, how do we live out our faith in um, and in a way where we do the things that uh, God will want us to do right now, and James is reminding us of the importance of being consistent and congruent in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds. Because if we are not consistent with what we're confessing, um, we may not communities, and we can be deceived. James talked about self-deception, which is the worst kind of deception. Self-deception is when you don't live according to what you believe, which has really been our challenge. And uh, we can be deceived by our words. That's why James is encouraging us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And maybe that's why we wear a masks. So I see the mask as a reminder for myself to be slow to speak. And maybe that's why we have one mouth and two ears. Our ears are still open. Our mouths were muzzles. So I was just reminded that we can still listen. We can hear the pain of people who've lost their jobs. We can hear the pain of people who are maybe dealing with depression. And um, we may be slow to uh, speak and slow to, be, to get angry. Psalm 4 us, invite us to be angry but not to sin. So I used to ask myself, how do I get angry and not sin? And that ties into the passage about the righteousness uh, of men and, and then anger, human anger, does not encourage the righteousness of God. When I'm angry, I'm angry because I feel like my rights have been violated. I feel that uh, maybe I'm being taken advantage of. My time and my, my kindness has being taken advantage of, but Um, And I believe that racism could be eliminated if we just take the time to listen to one another and to be slow to anger. Um, I believe that God must be angry. I always talk about uh, righteous indignation when he sees the pain that black people around the world are experiencing because of racism. So many lives lost, so many destinies and dreams left unfulfilled. However, human anger about racism, our righteous indignation, may not bring about the righteousness of God. It can actually bring division and strife, which is we're supposed to get rid of, and to really um, bring in the peace of God. We're supposed to be peacemakers And uh, faith that does not have a sanctifying influence on the heart is no better than the faith of the devils. That's what John Charles Riley said, which is an Anglican bishop, one of the first Anglican bishops. Um, There is spiritual power in the Word of God which is able to save our soul. History is full of situations where the Bible was used to justify slavery. History also tells us that African slaves who received the word of God were able to use it as their path to freedom. So we can see that the purpose of God may not be what we actually see. James 2, 12, 13 says, Speak and act at those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, because mercy triumphs over judgment. So James urged the believers to be patient. For worldly anger does not achieve God's purposes. This is a season to live out our faith by acting according to the word of God. Human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. So we can dele- be deceived in our thoughts when we show favoritism. And James goes on in chapter 2 to talk about uh, being a of not being a respecter of a person. Racism, sexism, xenophobia. He gives us a recipe to end racial tension. And I always say that as uh, James condemns any favoritism that we can show, he actually gives us a biblical anti-racism strategy, which is found in James, two to, uh, James chapter 2, verse 8. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I believe that uh, that would solve a lot of problems. Now, according to the Pew Research Center, this is a study that was conducted in 2014, 80% of American churchgoers attend churches where at least 80% of the congregation is only one race. And I was blessed this morning to hear the beautiful song in Tagalog and in the Nigerian language, actually that song Imela, I remember listening to that song as I was doing my jogging. So it was just, uh, thank you, Lance, for sharing that. Um, According to Bishop Claude Alexander, the church gave spiritual sanction to racism, both overtly, but by things that it taught, and covertly by the critique that it did not raise. And when he was asked, uh, how come, what is the church is to do in this moment of strife and, 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 and tension in our community. And say so the church has the answer. Those who confess their faith have the opportunity in their thinking to act out James 2.8 8, and to be those peacemakers that we're called to do because we do have the solution as we believe that we are created equal. Another way we can deceive ourselves is by our actions or lack of actions. What good is it is, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deed? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother and a sister comes here without clothes or daily food. Somebody's lost their job through the, the pandemic or lost their family members. And someone will say, you go and uh, be blessed and not taking any actions. How can we demonstrate that faith if we're not taking actions? Because the kind of religion that God considers genuine is when believers look after orphans and widows and when we keep ourselves from being corrupted by the world. So real faith requires actions toward others and actions on ourselves. And I think that the current pandemic is actually giving us opportunities to demonstrate that because we literally have widows and orphans because of all the death around us, and we literally have people in need. So our faith, our theology, and study of the Bible might, must find tractions in our real daily life circumstances and not just on Sunday, not just to a one event. Um, how we carry ourselves in our daily lives are a way to demonstrate that we actually are carriers of a greater truth, which is James 2.8, loving our neighbors, loving our community. And I know that Knox has been doing that for over 200 years, being that light in the community and being presence that, that presence in the community. And we see in Scripture, in verse 20 to 25, uh, James is giving us two examples of Abram, who acted by his actions, and he was declared righteous. And even Rahab, the prostitute, who accepted by God, she was accepted by God because of her action when she concealed the Israelite spies. So she took actions. And Charles Spurgeon has a a good way of of putting that. He said, "A a man's life is always more forcible than his speech. When men take stock of him, they reckon his deed has dollars and his words as pennies. In his life and doctrine, if his life and doctrine disagree, the mass of onlookers accept his practice and reject his preaching. So deception is hearing God's word and not doing it. We have to be doing of the word of God on ourselves. but We also have to be doers of the works. See, God is looking for disciples, disciples, not listeners. He's looking for sprinters and runners, people who will continue that relay race and take the baton and continue to be the light in the community and not just be spectators, debating over ideas and uh, positions and political ideas instead of taking action and being doers of the word in the community. So when you hear his voice today, Take actions. When you say, speak up for the oppressed and the marginalized, just do it. Careful study of scripture with no action is the worst kind of deception. Real religion is to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So real religion is breathing our tongues You see, verse 26 says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. Now, it's not just talking about profane speech. It also talks about gossip and bitterness and even protecting our thumbs as we're making these posts on Facebook. It's also brittling our tongues or whatever we're trying to say. What are we saying about people? Pure and undefiled religion is... Controlling our words, but also visiting orphans and widows and coming beside those in needs. And and we wear masks because of our neighbors. Uh, We need to be there for others. But to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, do not neglecting our personal life, loving others, having concern for others. So we have to watch our tongues. We have to watch for others. And then we have to watch for ourselves. So dead faith is not acting out what we actually know. And this is consistent to what Paul was saying in uh, Ephesians, encouraging us to say, yes, we are saved by, by faith, through grace. It's not a matter of works. But then because of our salvation, we can act. We can have actions. So faith alone saves, but the faith that has saved us cannot stay alone. It's always accompanied with works. So what does the Great Commission Looks like during the COVID-19 pandemic, real faith helps us first of all to deal with ourselves. This could be a very taxing time, so we, need, we look to Christ, not to ourselves, for a solution, for grace. We agree with God's words and believe what what Scripture says. We're doing the works of God without seeking reward. We express repentance, good works. And we're not allowing our faith to be the one that the Lord speaks in Matthew 7 when He says, Many will say, Lord, Lord, and calling on the name of the Lord, but not really acting out that what we're actually confessing. Real faith will also help us with others. So, what does real faith look like during the COVID 19 pandemic? Visiting the widows, the orphans, helping the homeless, those who are destitute, feeding the poor. A lot of the soup kitchen are run uh, out of staff trying to do packaging to still help people. sowing seed of love in our community where we see division and strife, being those peacemakers to bring peace into debates and, and just loving on our communities. providing help to a single mom dealing with cancer so that she can have a little bit of reprieve. Helping the senior next door with groceries. Youth helping older adults deal with technology so they can get on a Zoom call and not be lonely. Wearing a mask and staying two metres apart when we go to the grocery store. Checking up on our neighbours who may be new to the country and misses a family overseas. Cooking a meal for an international student who doesn't know where they can have their last meal because restaurants are closed now helping to serve at a soup kitchen, praying for our community. There's so many things we could do during the COVID-19 pandemic to be that light in our community. Real Christians act. Faith without works is dead. So genuine faith is real when we see action. It's like faith is like virus. It's like the wind. If you want to say your faith, we have to see it moving. We have to see action, actually. The only way to actually see our faith is through action. So in conclusion, Let's follow the example of Abram and Rahab. And I would like to hear the statement by Charles Spurgeon. Hearing about a faith will not fill you. Hearing about a brook will not quench your thirst. The information that there is gold in the bank of England will not enrich you. You need cash in your own pocket. The knowledge that there is a shelter from the storm will not save the sheep from the tempest. The information that there's a cure for disease will not make the sick man well. No. Blessings must be grasped. Blessings must be appropriated and made use of if there are to be any value to us. So what does the current pandemic teach us as gospel-centered global Christians? First of all, the importance of listening. We wear a mask, but we still have our ears. We can listen to our community to see what the needs are and be there to respond. The importance of obedience. We obey our authority. Obedience to authority helps flatten the curve. We are taught to obey those in authority because God has appointed them to lead us. The importance of doing the word, being peacemakers in our communities when we find swipes. The importance of doing the works of the ministry, just simply meeting the needs of those around us, and the importance of showing love, compassion, standing against bullying and and discrimination in any forms. Faith without works is dead. So my challenge to you today is continue your, your practices through prayer, which is a reminder that God still hears and we can cast our burdens on him. Through Bible studies, God speaks. Are we listening to him? And church attendance, even though the buildings may be closed and we're unable to gather together, we can still gather in our home. Can we feel the presence of God in our homes? And God is omnipotent. He has the power to do it. He's still on the throne. And do we see him in action? And how can we join us? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share. I thank you, Father God, for the reminder today that the COVID 19 pandemic provided a tremendous opportunity for us to live our faith in you in faithful obedience and corresponding actions. And I pray, Father, for the reminder that our faith without action is dead. Thank you in Jesus' name.